Well, I don't know if that's even a song to clap on, do you? I think it might be a song just hit the altar. <laughs> My wife's going to help me out here. Uh, did you notice that line? God, God gave me that song. I am not a song writer. I get ideas. I get a lot of good ideas. But I just... I just can't sit down and write a song, but every now and then through my lifetime, maybe once a decade, uh, God might send a song my way, and the, the words come and the melody comes, and that was one of them. Many years ago, I guess I was, I don't know, I was in my early 30s probably when that song came, and I had been reading a book, I think about that time, I, had, I got interested in the book of Colossians and by the way you can turn there Colossians chapter 1 and I got interested in a book uh, called The Saving Life of Christ by Ian Thomas he, nobody's heard of Ian Thomas much anymore but uh, he was a great man of yesteryear and in fact he was a major for the British in World War II but he was also a man of God and and I'll, I'll say more about that book, but it's all about dying to self, the saving life of Christ. You know, we, we know about the death of Jesus and how it paid for our sins, but the saving life of Jesus, he wants to live his life through us. That's the difference in Christianity and all the other religions. There are several differences, but one is that Christianity is all about Christ himself. He does it all. If we'll just get out of the way, clear the decks, and let him have his way in our life, that mighty power of God will flow in our lives. But did you notice that line? Uh, he'll bring you to high, rugged mountains for a lesson that you must learn well, and then he'll patiently wait for the moment when you come to the end of yourself. Can you believe that? God waiting on man. You know, we're told in the Bible many times to wait on the Lord, but sometimes he's waiting on us. In fact, tonight he's waiting on some of you to die to self so that he can live his life through you. And you'll find power that you never knew before. I'm not talking about something spooky. I'm not talking about a second work of grace, although <laughs> I think God does many works of grace in our life, but I'm not talking about something that's spooky, but it is supernatural. That when we come to the end of ourself, he takes over. And I want to preach about that tonight. Turn with me to Colossians chapter number 1. You're probably already there. I got a picture sent to me today from uh, brother, brother and Mrs. McCurdy standing by the bedside of Ron Hamilton, Patch the Pirate, and... Uh, wish I could have been there in that meeting I, I've always loved brother Ron Hamilton and so they uh, I told him I said I sent him a text and we, we spent the afternoon in their home talk about a beautiful home that is beautiful and it is immaculate and we just really enjoyed uh, taking a nap there in fact I texted him and I said how much would you take for this recliner I'm telling you I slept like a baby in that recliner and uh, I texted him and I said, you know, we had a great day at church, told him about the two bus kids who, who got saved and, and I said, uh, your people made us feel welcome. And I mean that, you, you made us feel welcome. And I want to thank you very much for that. Thank you for making, letting us be part of the Gospel Light family today. 
I appreciate it very much. We're in Colossians, and in chapter number one, there is a verse, verse number 11, chapter number one in verse 11 says this, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. Boy, there's a lot in that verse. Power, patience, long-suffering, and joy. All in that one verse. And my friend, it all comes through Jesus Christ. It all comes by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what? When I notice my joy level is not where it ought to be, and I do notice that sometimes, I'll think, Lord, I don't have the joy that I need. I don't have the joy I'd like to have today. You know, I can almost always trace it back to some area I'm not trusting the Lord. I'm not fully trusting the Lord to meet some need, and, and it robs you of your joy. Now, the most famous verse in Colossians, I believe, is verse number 27, and it says, To whom God would make known... What is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory? Christ in you, the hope of glory. What a wonderful thought that Jesus Christ is in us, and that is the hope of glory. I used to read that verse, and I think, yeah, I've got Jesus in my heart, and I'm headed for glory. And that's true. But you know what? Look at it like this. Christ in you, also, it's the only hope that this old world has to see the glory of God. There are people out there, they won't darken the doors of a church. There are people out there, they, don't, they, they won't come to church. That's why we need to go to them. And you know, when we go to them, they need to see something in our lives that's different. They need to see the glory of God. They need to see Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's the only hope they've got. Somebody wrote a song years ago, you're the only Jesus some will ever see. You're the only Bible some will ever read. They'll never pick up a Bible and read it unless they get saved. They'll never come to church unless they get saved. But oh, if they could see Jesus in you. How many of you know Mike Ray from out in California? Brother Mike Ray, he's a, he's a powerful preacher, but... A comedian too but he's got a message on the joy of the Lord and he said he was walking through a store and I don't know where he was but he said I was walking through a store and he said I was whistling a tune he said I was just whistling one of the old hymns you know whatever it was but anyway he said he was walking through the store he said that and uh, he said he got up to the counter and the man behind the counter said uh, you sure are happy and he said you'd be happy too if you knew you were going to heaven and the man said I do know I'm going to heaven but he said I, I'm not where I should be with the Lord brother Ray said well you can get there and you know that man came to brother Ray's church and that man got right with God and that man went on to serve God and it all started with joy somebody saw the joy of the Lord in, in him well, here we're talking about Christ in you, the hope of glory. Look at chapter number 3. And Mr. Soundman, sometimes during this message, I may convert to this mic, okay? I just, uh, 
But we're in chapter number three. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead. <laughs> do you realize, do you, do you see that? The Bible says, who's it talking to? Oh, that's the Colossians. No, he's talking to you. <laughs> he's talking to me. Ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Praise God. It says, ye are dead, your life is hid with Christ in God. And Jesus Christ, who is our life, Jesus wants to be our life. Jesus wants to live his life through us. And the Bible proclaims to us, ye are dead. Could I ask you a question today? When did you die? When did you die? Do you know there's a book out there? And I've, I've, I've had so many, I've passed them out, I've given them out to pastors, and I don't even have one right now, but it's got a picture of, of Lee Robertson on the front standing there. And it, it, the name of the book is When Did You Die by B. McCall Barber. And Lee Robertson, it, it says on the front, the book that changed Lee Robertson's life. And it's all about dying to self. And Lee Robertson died to self. Oh, he was a statesman in that double-breasted suit. What a man he was. And I realize today, Brother Dylan, I'm talking to a lot of people. They don't even know who Lee Robertson was, but what a man of God he was. I, we got to be with him, not in his church, but we were in other churches where he was. And we used to have a singing family, six of us up singing, playing instruments. And we got to be with him, and, and I, I, I just loved him. But he had come to the place where he died to self, and God used him. Chattanooga, Tennessee, a 6,000-seat auditorium. 6,000 people would come to hear Lee Robertson preach. Buses everywhere. They started chapels all around Tennessee. A man filled with the Spirit of God. I'll say more about him later. But, you know, it says, when did you die? That's a good question. Now, you know, we need to die daily. We need to die to self every day. But there needs to be that initial time. There needs to be that time, and I, I believe I could take you to the place in Owensboro, Kentucky, where I first died to self. And it was in a dormitory room in, in a Wesleyan college in Kentucky. I'd gotten saved at 15. I backslid during my high school days. I got away from God. Thank God I didn't get out of church. But, you know, I learned how to live that double life <laughs> where you go to church and act one way and you go to uh, school on Monday and act a different way. And I, I did that. I'm so ashamed. But I was, I was a hypocrite, and I went to college in that condition, and it wasn't far from my home. And I don't know how long I was in that college, hanging around with the wrong crowd. I didn't drink, and I didn't smoke, and I didn't take drugs and all of that, but my language was worldly, and my mind was perverted in, in, in different ways, and I, I just wasn't right with God. I was a terrible testimony. And one night in that college, a man looked at me in a room full, full of guys. I don't know how many were in there. Uh, the wrong crowd. I shouldn't have been e even been in there with that crowd. Somebody said something about being a Christian. And, you know, I said, I'm a Christian. And this guy from New Jersey looked at me. 
he did drink he did smoke pot he was a fornicator and all that but he looked at me and he said you're a Christian I can't tell any difference in your life and my life brother that changed my life I got up I walked out of that room under conviction by the Holy Ghost I went and I found a dormitory room that was empty and I went in there and I fell on my knees and I cried out to God I said Lord I don't want to live like this anymore I don't want to be this way anymore I'm tired of this double life Lord I want to give my life to you and I don't know how long I was in that room but when I came out of that room I've never been the same since when I came out of that room I believe I died to self in that room and the Lord took my life and began to use it I want to ask you tonight when did you die you know if you haven't died to self this would be a good time to start this would be a good time to head in that direction anyway the greatest lesson I ever learned in my life I've learned two mighty lessons in my life and one is that uh, you need to get up in the morning and meet with God that is so simple but I'll tell you it will change your whole life if you'll put God first in the morning read your Bible and pray and spend some time with God before you do anything else that will change your life but then the next greatest thing that I heard about that I learned is this matter of dying to self and Jesus living his life through us and I think we all know that uh, about salvation probably on a Sunday night everybody in here knows about salvation and you've probably been saved but really we need another type of salvation we need to be saved from self we really do now the Bible says in my flesh dwelleth no good thing the Bible says the flesh profiteth nothing the Bible says the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary the one to the other you cannot do the things that you would because this old flesh is pulling 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 and it will we'll never get away totally away from the flesh but we can die to it we can die to self and and not have that domination of the flesh in our life now you know you may not see the need but it'd be wonderful if God would open your eyes tonight and to see the need to die to self there was a great man of the past named A.W. Tozer anybody ever read after A.W. Tozer <laughs> great man said some things 80 years ago that are absolutely true today he saw the direction of America 80 years ago he saw the direction of Christianity 80 years ago A.W. Tozer he said you can have personal revival but he said number one you've got to get thoroughly dissatisfied with yourself one of the greatest problems I believe we have in our churches people are satisfied they're content now the Bible says be content with such things as you have be content with food and raiment don't always be wanting another house another car another wardrobe a better job don't always be seeking for something better be content in these areas of life but when it comes to spiritual matters the Apostle Paul was not content he said forgetting those things that are behind reaching forth unto those things which are before I press toward the mark I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus 
Paul, if he had that song in his day, he'd be singing that song. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. He was not satisfied where he was. And A.W. Tozer said, if you want a personal revival, get thoroughly dissatisfied with yourself. He said, complacency is the deadly enemy of spiritual progress. The content soul becomes a stagnant soul. I could testify. We've been all over this country in churches for 23 years. My friend, in our independent Baptist churches, there's a lot of stagnation. There's just a lot of deadness. We've seen it over and over. There's a famine of the joy of the Lord. There's a lack of zeal. And it all goes back to self. Paul said, uh, I've learned to be content, but he was not content to just stay where he was spiritually. Now, here's what the world says. <laughs> and I think, I think tonight you'd agree with this. Here's what the world says. Take care of yourself. <laughs> Self-confidence. Have a good self-image. Self-empowerment. Did you ever hear that? self-improvement uh, be self-sufficient and have have self-esteem and all of that be a better version that guy on television with a great big smile be a better version of yourself and all the while God's saying die to self die to self die to self don't try to be a better version of yourself die to self and let Jesus take over I was preaching this in West Virginia, wild and wonderful West Virginia. Anybody ever been there, West Virginia? I, I like to go there. I, I really like that. I like we, we go to a church back in a holler. You know what a holler is? I'm telling you, back down between two mountains and, and those, those people, they go and they worship God. It's a wonderful place. But I was preaching this at a church in West Virginia, and a man came up to me and he said, he said, you know what I was thinking while you were talking about all that self? He said, what are people doing today? They're taking selfies. He said it used to be people just went around taking pictures of other people. Now they're taking pictures of themselves. <laughs> now, some of you are going to say, tell Brother McCurdy, don't ever have that man back. He's up there preaching against selfies as if there's not anything else to preach about. I'm not preaching against selfies. I'm just saying... That man, that West Virginia man, he came up with that, and there is some truth in it. <laughs> and all the while, God says, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Oh, when we die to self, we'll bring forth fruit, my friend. But here's a problem now. Self is a master of disguise. It really is. Put me on this mic, brother. Self is a master of disguise. You know, self will um, allow you to go to church. Self will allow you to do some service. Self will allow you to sing in the choir, teach a Sunday school class, uh, maybe even preach. Self will allow you to uh, go out and knock on doors, run a bus. Self will allow you to do that, but it must stay in control. It must stay in control. And a guy named uh, 
A.B. Simpson, a, a great old man from the past, A.B. Simpson, he said, you know, even our sacrifices and our self-denials may be selfish. We can have a religious selfishness. You know, some people serve for attention. Some people serve to be noticed. They'd never admit it, but that's part of the motive. When he, re when he talked about a religious selfishness, I, I had a sword of the Lord with Lee Robertson. This is it's turned yellow now, and it's about to fall apart. But I carry it with me because uh, Dr. Lee Robertson was preaching, and many times when I, when I would see him preach, he would hold out his finger and say, Die to self, die to self, die to self. I don't know how many times I've seen him do that. And I thought, in this message about being a good Christian, there'll be something in there about dying to self, and sure enough, it was. He told about when he went to Chattanooga, he said he had a Sunday school teacher there, and he said she was a dandy. That's what he said. She was a dandy Sunday school teacher. <laughs> he said she took the teenage girls through the Bible five times. And he said this lady was gifted, no doubt about it, but he said she had a bad problem. He said every now and then she would stand before her class and she would say, girls, I've taught this class so long, you need another teacher. You need somebody else to teach you. I've told you all I know. And one by one, those girls would say, no, no, don't leave us. You're the best teacher. Nobody can teach like you. You're the greatest teacher in the world. Don't leave us. And she'd say, well, all right, I'll stay. Lee Robertson said that didn't happen once. It didn't happen twice. It would happen every now and then. He saw a problem. But one day she walked into his office and she said, I guess you've heard I've been trying to resign my class and they just won't let me. And he said, yes, ma'am, I've heard about that. I'll accept your resignation right now. I'll find another teacher right away. Here's what he said, I quote, she got angry and exploded. She said, I thought you were that way. I thought you were that kind. You're just what I thought you were, bawling out the pastor. She said mean words that were not in any Sunday school book. And finally, she walked out of his office and never came back, never came back to that church. But that's not the end of the story. Years went by, decades went by, and one day, Lee Robertson was in a nursing home and he said this little woman walked up to him with a cane and said, Pastor Robertson, do you remember me? He said, ma'am, I don't believe I do. She said, remember the Sunday school teacher that walked out of your office and, and never came back? Yes, ma'am, I remember that. She said, that was me. Since I left your church, I've been in five churches. She said, I never taught another Sunday school class with the gift that God had given her. But she said, and he said, tears are just falling down her face. And finally, she said this. She said, I've gone to half a dozen churches, but I've never taught another Sunday school class. From that day to this, my whole life has been wasted I've thrown my life away. 
the thing that I want you to get is this. I threw my life away because I followed myself and my selfishness. Oh, you can have a religious selfishness. In Romans chapter 6, I'll go back to this, brother. In Romans chapter 6, I call it God's graveyard. You'll find the word death 15 times in Romans chapter 6, some form of the word death. It's all about the old man being dead. And right in the middle of that chapter, you'll find verse number 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Not that he ought to be crucified. Not that he will be crucified. The Bible says the old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth we should not serve sin. According to the Bible, the old man is dead. But you know what? It's not enough that it just be according to the Bible. It's got to be according to you. <laughs> and that's why the Bible, a few verses down from that, says, Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Reckon. That word reckon actually is a mathematical term. It means to count. It means to consider. It means to put yourself in the number of to come to a conclusion that the old man is dead. We need to hold it before ourselves constantly. The old man is dead. And because of that, because God declares that old man, that old man that you were before you got saved, thank God he's dead. And yet, we see him once in a while showing up. And it's only because we allow that to happen, my friend. God wants us to die to self and get rid of that old man out of our life and his ways and his personality and his selfishness and all of that get it out how many of you have ever heard of George Mueller you know who George Mueller was what a man in Bristol England took care of thousands and thousands of orphans prayed down I guess millions of dollars but he never asked man for a penny he never asked man for a penny he just prayed and God sent it down. Somebody would send in at a time when they desperately needed it. Maybe a, a truck would break down and they'd bring in food, whatever. But God took care of him in, in miraculous ways because he just trusted God. And then in his 70s, hey, senior saints, hey, you that may be looking for a rocking chair, you know, you that are, that are also all concerned about retirement, Brother, heaven's our retirement. Now listen, nothing wrong with retiring from your job. You put in 30 or 40 years at a job, you retire, get your pension, amen. But don't retire on God. Amen. Don't retire in the work of God. You keep on going. If you're retired, you got more time. And one man told me, the pastor will take advantage of that time if, he, if there's a need there. Hey, my friend, don't retire on God. George Mueller in his 70s went to the mission field. He didn't stay in one place. He went about helping missionaries all over the world, distributing Bibles and Christian literature all over the world. Someone asked George Mueller near the end of his life, what was the secret? Why, how, why did God use you in such a mighty way? And George Mueller said, well, there was a day when I died. There was a day when I died. He said, I died to George Mueller. I died to his opinions. I died to his preferences. I died to his will. 
I died to his tastes. I died to the world. I died to the world's approval or its criticism. He said, I even died to the approval or blame of the brethren and friends. I died to all of that. And that was the secret of George Mueller. When he died, Jesus took over. How many of you ever heard Lester Roloff? Oh, Brother Lester Roloff. How many of you ever knew Bobby Robertson? Did you, did you know Bobby Robertson from North Carolina? I've been with him and uh, loved him. They're both in heaven now. But one day, I love this story. I heard Brother Bobby tell it shortly before he went to heaven. He said he was riding along in a car with Lester Roloff. And uh, some of the young people don't know who these are. Uh, maybe when he, I, you know, how many of you know Caleb Garraway? Has he been here, Brother Caleb? Has he been here? He's got videos now where he's showing young people videos and, and pictures and stories about the old timers that some of them have forgotten. But these two men riding along and Brother Bobby said, I was kind of poking fun at, at Lester Roloff about something. He said, I was just kind of teasing him about something, you know, and just a friendly jest. And he said, Brother Roloff got quiet. And he said, I, <laughs> after a while, I looked over and said, Brother Roloff, I didn't hurt you, did I? But what I said, I didn't hurt your feelings. And Lester Roloff looked at him and he said, Brother Bobby, you hurt me it's my fault because I'm supposed to be dead you can't hurt a dead man now you don't realize that went right over some of your head went in one ear and out the other but he said brother if you hurt me it's my fault I don't doubt a bit there are probably people in this church right now some of you have a chip on your shoulder you know what that means? You've got a blockhead. No, uh, if you've got a chip on your shoulder, you know what that means? You're not dead to self. He said, if you hurt me, it's my fault. I'm supposed to be dead. You can't hurt a dead man. You realize that would, that's, that's the answer for all these church splits. <laughs> that's the answer for all this turmoil that goes on in churches people to just die to self now listen my friend if it's doctrine if my pastor gets up who's my son-in-law gets up next week and said you know I feel led we're going to go a different way we're going to use the, the new King James sometimes I'm out of there <laughs> I'm gone son-in-law or not but I don't think that's going to happen you know when he gets up and says you know I, I think we're going to change things a little bit I think it's really not that bad for women to dress like men. I'm out of there. I'm out of there. <laughs> but I'll tell you, a lot of times people get all bent out of shape over opinions and things that just didn't go their way. And here's a man that said, you know what? If you hurt me, it's my fault. If we could just die to self, it would solve so many problems. Some missionaries were on a ship heading to the old, uh, I think it was the Fiji Islands back when it was inhabited by cannibals. They were on their way there. They were almost there. And the captain of the ship said to the leader, James Calvert, he said, Sir, I don't know why you want to go to this island. It's filled with cannibals. 
they will, they will kill you. And James Calvert said, Sir, we died before we came here. We died before we came here. Dead to self. Dead to self. I want you to examine yourself tonight. I'm almost done. Examine yourself. Do you need a lot of attention? Everybody needs some attention once in a while. Everybody needs some counsel once in a while. But it just seems like there are those who just need lots and lots and lots of attention. You just need to die to self. Are you easily offended? Have you got a short fuse? I don't want any women to elbow their husbands. Let the Holy Spirit do his job here tonight. Don't you try to do the Holy Spirit's job. Are you easily offended? And you know, a lot of people make excuses for a bad temper. They said, that's just the way I was. My dad was like that. My dad flew off the handle. It's just the way I am. I get over it quick now. <laughs> yeah, dynamite doesn't take very long to go off, but you don't get over it quick. I mean, it tears up a lot of things, and a bad temper tears up a lot of things, and it'll tear up a family. It'll take, tear up a marriage. It'll tear up children. It can tear up a church. Are you easily offended? You know, you can't hurt a dead man. Are you quick to give a piece of your mind? Now, some of you right now, you may be thinking about somebody. <laughs> Don't say it out loud. You may be thinking about somebody quick to give a piece. You think, well, whatever the subject is, everybody needs to know what I think. Everybody needs to know my opinion. Why did Twitter just come to my mind? Quick to give a piece of your mind. You know, you just need to die to self. Let me ask you this. Are you easy to stop? You know, Christianity's full of people who started to do something. And it's so easy to start. <laughs> but they didn't finish. They stopped somewhere along the way. Something stopped them. But you know, there are men in the Bible like the Apostle Paul and like Moses. You know, Moses came to the end of himself. In his early days, he thought, look who I am. And, and 40 years later, he said, who am I? God, get somebody else. I'm not the one. Moses, on the backside of the desert, had died to self. And when he went back with the message, let my people go, nobody could stop him. Pharaoh's army couldn't stop him. Nobody could stop Moses. He was unstoppable because he was going in the power of God think about Paul beaten with rods beaten with whips locked up in prison attacked by mobs slandered mocked shipwrecked snake bit stoned all these things and my friend us today you know if if one person insults us if, if somebody rubs us the wrong way if anything happens in our life just just little things sometimes we're, we're, we're ready to quit and here's a man that suffered and suffered and suffered Sitting in that old dungeon, he took a pen and a parchment and, and he wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I mean, he was dead to self. Let me have this, brother. This, uh, this glove along tonight. This is a really good glove. It really is. I, it doesn't have a hole in it. It's got four fingers and a thumb made out of good material. You know, the problem is it can't do anything. <laughs> It can't do anything. 
I could sit on one of those chairs. I could take it down there and sit it on a chair. It could do that. And you know, that's about all some Christians do is come and sit on the pew and go back home. This glove can't do anything, but you know, if I put my hand in it, now what can it do? Now it can do anything my hand can do. And you, as, a, as, a, as a Christian, in your own power, what can you do? Nothing. Jesus said, without me, ye can do nothing. Oh, but if we die to self, with him, we can do all things. I can do all things through Christ. How many of you know Abdel Judah? Do you know Abdel? How many of you don't know? You say, I have no idea who Abdel Judah is. Well, I thought you might know because uh, he's at House Anderson now. He's one of the teachers there. And uh, he comes every year to our youth conference at Washington at Marion Avenue Baptist Church and speaks to the teenagers. We have a big teen conference. And every time Brother Judah gets up to preach, <laughs> every time I'm, the altar is full, the choir fills up, they're back down the aisles, teenagers weeping, getting right with God. The power of God is upon him. But you know, Abdel came to a place where he died to self. And it happened in a public school in Chicago. He, was, he had been saved, thank God. His mom and dad had separated. Abdel Judah, that's Muslim name. <laughs> and his dad is a Muslim. But his mom and dad separated. He lived in an old apartment house and went to a public school. <clears throat> but he had been challenged. <clears throat> he got saved through the bus ministry, thank God. But he got challenged at a youth conference to carry his Bible to that public school. And he said, I can do that. So he went to this Chicago, hey, South Chicago public school. South Chicago, where the gangs are, where the drive-by shootings are. And Abdel went to that public school carrying his Bible. He said they laughed at him. They mocked him. Oh, they laughed at him. And he just kept carrying that Bible. And they made fun of him. But he, he, went, he endured that and he kept on going. But you know what? The devil won't let up. And one day he said he walked into a class and carrying his Bible. And the teacher was a smart aleck, and, but a lot of the students really liked him. And the teacher uh, began to make it his goal to break Abdel Judah and his stand. So he would stand up in front of the class and he would say something like, how many of you believe that homosexuality is, is all right, it's just another lifestyle? And Abdel said not every hand would go up. But then this teacher would go on a tirade and then every hand would go up except one. Abdel wouldn't raise his hand. And in fact, he said, no, my, my pastor said it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, and that infuriated the teacher. But, you know, they didn't raise their hand because of education. They raised their hand because of intimidation. And another time it might be abortion. How many of you think it's all right to have an abortion, you know, under certain circumstances? It's all right to have an abortion. Not every hand would go up. But when he would get done with him, every hand would go up. But not Abdel. 
But he said one day he walked into that class and he said all of the desks had been moved to one side except one. And the teacher looked at him in front of that class and said, Mr. Judah, you sit over here. You're not like everybody else. And you know what? You might say, bravo, oh, what a hero. But my friend, he was a sophomore in high school. Put yourself back in those teenage days. Put yourself what it's like, peer pressure. He said, I went over and sat down, humiliated. He said, I was so embarrassed, tears came to my eyes. And he said, I sat there in that chair and I thought, I don't have to live like this. I don't have to go through this. I don't have to carry this Bible. He endured that day and he went back home, back into that old apartment, went back into his bedroom and he took his Bible and threw it against the wall. And he said he sat down on the bed just so frustrated. But thank God his mother came back to the room and said, Abdel, there are two men here to see you. And he said, I walked out into the living room and he said, there was my pastor and my youth pastor. And he said, they didn't know what happened at school. But they said, Abdel, we just came by to tell you we're so proud of you taking a stand for God in that public school. We're so proud of you carrying your Bible. And Abdel, we're praying for you. We're praying for you. And they were gone. Listen, I've heard Abdel tell this more than once. He's a friend of mine. He said, I went back to my room. He said, I went over and I picked up that Bible. He opened it up to Genesis 1-1 and read, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. He said, I thought to myself, if that's true, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters but serving him. And he said, that night I repented. I asked God to forgive me for what I'd done. I asked God to forgive me. And he said, I got right with God that night in my bedroom. But I believe something more than just getting right with God happened. I believe Abdel really died to self that night. And here's why I believe that. He said he got hungry a little while later. And Brother Dylan, you're going to like this. The only thing open was a White Castle. <laughs> so he said he went to the White Castle carrying his Bible. Got in line and said he was behind a a tall young man. He said, I knew who he was. He said, everybody called him Bones. He was the leader of the Latin Kings gang. He said, everybody feared Bones. Even the teachers feared Bones. He had teardrop tattoos coming down his face. And there's a meaning behind that. He said, Bones turned around and acknowledged him and said something, how you doing, man? He said, I'm all right, Bones, how are you? And Bones said, not so good. He said, my brother was in a wreck, and he didn't make it. And Abdel looked at him and said, Bones, if that was you, where would you be? And he said, I don't know, man. But 
you be in heaven or hell? I don't know. He said, could I show you? Abdel took his Bible and led bones to Jesus in that white castle. And you might say, oh, that's a good story, but not very likely. <laughs> not very likely that a, a kid's going to lead a gang leader to Jesus in a white castle. You know, he may have prayed a prayer, but you know, there's some evidence that bones got saved. Because the next day, when Abdel went back to that class, Brother Bible, there were two desks sitting over there. Bones had moved his desk over by Abdel's, identifying himself with the Christian. And Abdel said over a period of time, others began to move their desk. Others began to get saved. Teachers got saved in that South Chicago school. You know, I think he died to self. Abdel was a good young man, but he didn't have the power of God to lead a gang leader to Jesus. He couldn't do that, but Jesus could. And Jesus went, went in that White Castle with him. Jesus goes to White Castle, in case you're wondering. And no doubt about it, he was there that night, and he's the one. There's a verse over there that says, Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Over in 1 Thessalonians, faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Whatever he calls you to do, he will do it. If you'll get out of the way, clear the deck and get out of the way, let him do it. Let him have his way with thee. I'd like for us to bow our heads tonight. And Brother Dylan, I believe I'm going to have my wife come and just play that song. And I might even sing a verse of that song when I came to the end of myself. And as I sang that song tonight, would you come if God's dealt with your heart? You know what? You may not die to self tonight. But it'd be a good place to start. It'd be a good place to come and kneel at this altar and say, Lord, I know there's too much self in control of my life. I need to die to self. Lord, help me. Let's stand together, heads bowed. I'm going to sing this part of this song anyway. If God's dealt with your heart, would you come? Serving Jesus, but in my own power. I was doing all I knew to do. But I was not prepared for the hour. When a high mountain came into view. In my own strength, I struggled to climb it. But oh, such weakness I felt. Somewhere on that mountain in darkness, I came to the end of myself. But when I came to the end of myself, he was there to give me his help. When I said I'm not able, he said I am. In my weakness, I discovered the strength of the Lamb, his almighty power.
Heavenly Father, please, tonight. Oh, Lord, I know tonight. I'm not a great preacher, I know that. But I sure had a great subject tonight to preach about. You, Lord Jesus, living your life through us. Us, as born-again people, but still people of two natures. We've got the divine nature, but we still have that old nature. But oh, how we need to die to that. How we need to come to that place, Lord, where we actually live our life every day saying, not my will, Lord, thy will be done. Lord, several came to the altar, but not enough. I don't doubt a bit there are folks standing in their pew tonight. They need to die to self. They need to at least start that journey of dying to self. God, I pray you not be finished. Though the service may be over, I pray, Holy Spirit, let the conversation not be over. Take the conversation home with every one of us. Let us think about it before we go to bed. Let us think about it if we wake up in the night. Let us think about it when we get up in the morning. I've got to die to self. And Lord, help us to know it's not a matter of works any more than salvation was. It's a matter of faith. It's a matter of believing what the Bible says about us. And it's a matter of our will, just surrendering our will. Bless the message. Let it not be forgotten, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.